that arrogance, it can blind you and cause you to go in a direction, maybe to prove to others you're capable of something, prove to the world you can do something. I really believe we're blessed when our motivations are right. Hello, and welcome to How to Fail Successfully, the podcast that teaches the steps to success through the stories of failures. I'm so happy that you can join me as I interview some of my favorite people and encourage them to share their story with you. I'm Matthew Carrier, and this is How to Fail Successfully. Welcome to today's episode. My name is Matthew Carrier, and this is How to Fail Successfully. I want to be very real with you for a second, let you know that I had a tough week. It was a tough week when it came to this podcast and my business. It was the right combinations of no's from potential guests, or shall I say the potential guest managers, and, and I had two, two high-profile guests cancel. Then to top it all off, I had a promised promotion of this podcast fall through. So I mean, it doesn't maybe it doesn't seem like a lot to you, but for me, I can handle one or two or even three of those, but it just seemed like this week everything came one after another. And how did I handle it? After hours of why am I doing this, should I still do this, who would care if I stopped, I decided I needed to get some outside perspective and reach out to my friends. See, as a driven person, it can be very humbling and almost demeaning to have to ask for help. But that's exactly what I did. I asked wanting harsh feedback. I guess I was almost expecting them to reaffirm my self-doubts. I was expecting to hear that I was wasting my time and that no one cares what I'm doing here. Because at least that would solidify what I had already assumed. But what I received was the opposite. They did not say everything was perfect. That there is no need for improvement because there always is. But instead what they did is they spent the first half letting me know that they listen to the podcast. They spend an hour out of their week to listen to all these conversations. That alone means a ton to me because they don't have to do that. You don't have to listen to this podcast. There are many other things that you can be doing, but you want to learn and you want to be encouraged. And hopefully you can take some of these lessons that my guests are, are sharing with you and apply those to your own life. So that alone makes it worth doing. But two, they also gave me some pointers about how I can help to continue to improve this. So hopefully over the next four to five weeks, I'll, I'll be applying some of these, uh, some of this feedback to each episode to help improve this, the quality and the content each and every week. With that being said, let's get to today's episode with Isaac Tolbin. Isaac is the co-founder of ConveyYour.com. He is a what I call him a ed tech entrepreneur. So he's like sort of an educational entrepreneur using technology to help enhance uh, training in corporations and in schools. He'll explain all that on this episode. But what I really wanted to do is bring in an entrepreneur and have him talk about some of his failed businesses and how he was able to mentally overcome those failures. With all that said, this is my conversation with Isaac. Enjoy. Isaac, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Isaac and I have, have never met. We just had a little bit of a conversation, so this is going to be a fun uh, time for me to get to know him and for him to 
really share his story with all of us. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, looking forward to it, Matthew. Well, kind of tell us with, the, with what you're working on today. Yeah, today, um, most almost all of my time is focused on conveyour.com. Uh, it's in the tech world. It's a SaaS company, and it's really an answer to, you know, boring digital training, whether trainers are doing it or companies. And besides that, I have a family, uh, seven kids, amazing wife, and, um, you know, passionate about, you know, training up my kids and, and all of that. So, yeah, life's good. Training them for what, like a basketball team or what are you trying to work on? <laughs> well, they're all uniquely wired, right? They're all unique human beings uh-huh. and very different from each other. So, it really depends on which kid you're talking about. <laughs> How do you have time? I mean, seven kids. Are you kidding me? That's that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, and that's its own story. But um, but yeah, they're 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 good, and it, you know, I have a great wife, uh, unbelievable. Um, she's courageousmom.com on the online world, okay. and and uh, we're just you know having fun raising them, the ages two to seventeen. Wow, awesome. Let's kind of go back to the beginning. Can you kind of let us know with how you got to the point where you are today? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, there's many points, aren't there? But uh, I think one of the things that in people, the, the, the creatives, the, the artists, the inventors or soon to be that are listening in, it's like, you know, perhaps you didn't quite feel like you fit in with the normal route of society all the time. And I know I felt that way. And even as a young person and um, I'm really thankful because I got this experience when I was nine to make wood crafts out of my dad's, you know, uh, used wood pile. He was a cabinet maker and um, and go sell those crafts at, you know, local farmer's market or on the side of the street, you know, small town, Port Townsend. And that was just a that was a signature experience for me. I think we all have signature experiences, but it was really good because, you know, I learned how to deal with adversity. I remember the older kids coming and laughing at me before I made my first sale. Um, I was a very shy, introverted person. Why do they laugh at you? Well, because I think anytime you're doing something different and out of the norm and you actually create something, there's always, you know, the high school culture or I guess I wasn't even in high school. Those kids probably were. Um, but I think it's just, it's like people ridicule what they're insecure about or, you know, whatever. And so it really made me question. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, if you built something, but, or created something or even a blog post, right. Is, you know, is this really worthy to put out there? Is this really good enough? And before I had any positive feedback, I got that negative feedback of these, you know, popular kids walking by ridiculing me. And, and it was kind of a moment of truth. I'm like, no, I'm Isaac Tolpin. And I always have felt like I was destined to make a big contribution in the world, even as a young kid. I don't know why, um, but that was that was in me, and so I persevered. and And shortly later, had a hundred dollar day in sales back in I don't know what year that was, a long time ago. So that was a, that was really a catalyst um, towards really a life of entrepreneurship. I you know did lots of different things, and then you know, but it really let me know that I'm more wired towards you know, creating and, and contributing and making money that way. Did your parents teach you about sales? How did you learn how to sell? Uh, I didn't learn from my parents. They're, they're definitely, uh, not the sales type of people. I wasn't in a environment of sales in any stretch of the imagination. But what, when I was uh, 19, I worked for a direct sales company, uh, selling 
taco knives, if you've heard of them. And absolutely, um, yeah, door to door. Yeah, yeah, it's referral, right? You start with a warm market, yeah. you get referrals, and you set appointments, that kind of thing. So it's not knocking on doors, but, but, um, but it was a really good experience because it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And and then a year later, I was you know doing management, and then I was running a branch office for them uh, in the summers and my later years in college. And, um, that, that was a, a really powerful experience to push me out, out of my comfort zone. I'd say one of them was, you know, taking that leap of faith to go to a territory, get negotiate office space while I was still in college during the summer, hire a receptionist, set advertising, recruit over a hundred college students and, you know, motivate them, inspire them. And, uh, we did that in Bellingham, Washington. And, you know, we did 275,000 and we're number one out of 200 offices. I, I, vividly remember that because one of the things that happened we also have the we all have these moments where we discover kind of i'll call it our superpowers that we didn't know we had and it's important to push yourself hard in certain areas uh so that you can discover things ways that god made you right the ways that you are that you maybe don't realize because your upbringing didn't pull that out of you and what i learned that summer was that i have an ability to speak and uh and have a really deep impact with people. And, and, um, that was, a that was something that from that moment forward, uh, was a full vibrant part of my life to today. What was the first business you started? Yeah, well, it was that, it was that, uh, craft making business. Okay. And I did that for, for a couple of years. But then after that, you know, when I was running a branch office, that was, you know, I was independently contracted. So technically I was, you know, running my own business, kind of like a franchise maybe, okay. uh, in, in that sense. And then I, you know, uh, I had tried other, th- other thing. I've tried done a lot of things. Like I've invested in racehorses and had racehorses at one time and really? lost a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, uh, you know, what was that? I had like? a small bean. Oh, it was what was horrible. that like? It was horrible. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a big lesson in that. You know, I'm gonna, this is the first time I've ever shared this story. I think Love publicly. It. Love it. Okay. So, okay. so you asked a good question here. So, so one of the things that's crucial in your marriage is that you don't just go do things without <laughs> consulting with each other. Okay. Okay. And, and, and that leads to a good marriage. And this is one of those times where, um, I just did it. You know, I didn't really, you know, include my wife in this, in this process of decision-making. And that's pretty important to do. I think, you know, I was a, a sizable amount of money and, and I thought this would work. And so I had the, the idea was you real estate the industry is going down. So I'm going to invest in these um, young, high potential racehorses and then resell them before they hit the tracks uh, okay. for a higher amount of money. It was a little interesting. And so I actually had these two horses. So I thought, well, let's buy two. Like, you, you know, let's try this out. So I bought these two horses and then you're paying monthly fees at the stables. It sounds like a horrible idea as I'm talking about it. But you get into some interesting things. And so... Um, and then, then what happened, you have to name these horses. Well, I ended up selling one of them because the, the economy was going through the tube. So I sold one at kind of the same level I bought it for. Okay. And then I was, st- I was stuck with this other one. And then it, it comes to this, now I have to go full length, right? Nobody wants to buy it. So then I have to name this racehorse and efficient, you know, do the paperwork cause it's getting ready for the track. And now these are, there's all kinds of other fees in, in, involved. And, um, I gave, I gave them this name and on paper and so forth. And then they ended up naming it, um, expensive decision, but I didn't actually <laughs> give them that name and nor did I know that that was the official name of the horse. Like they, so they got mixed up or something. And then, 
ended up uh, had some kind of health problems. Uh, you know, I had to give the horse away. And at the very, very end of it, they asked me, hey, why did you name your horse Expensive Decision? I think it was just God laughing at me. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> you know, why are you making be, making foolish decisions? So, you know, I've done different things. And then, I, you know, I... Did you ever ask your wife if she sent that in? Maybe she wrote that. Yeah, she says she didn't. Oh, okay. But... Uh, yeah, okay. you know, she she's truthful, so I don't know how that happened. <laughs> okay. It's really uh, – I actually named the horse Storming Angel. You always need to name a horse something similar to the lineage. Okay. And uh, that was similar, you know, okay. things like that. So I, so I named it Storming Angel, and they ended up – it ended up being exp- called – literally called Liter- Expensive Decision. That's great. And it was. That's great. Very expensive. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 there you go. So yeah, you gotta you gotta, you know, have wisdom, make good decisions. But I ended up staying with Cutco and did lots of other things. I ended up uh, running Washington, Oregon for them and we were doing, you know, like five million a year and then I had some breakthroughs and we were doing ten million a year and I left. And one of the things when you're successful, there's kind of nothing worse than a, a young, successful person that hasn't experienced big failures. And the reason for that is because there's only this growing um, inner confidence that can turn into arrogance. And I would definitely say I had the confidence, but what we have to be aware of is in our success, not developing the arrogance. And I think I, I definitely know that part of me uh, developed that at the height of things. And I thought things should be done better. I left and I went to, okay, I'm going to go show the world and, and build something amazing. And um, funded this agency that it was like a, a digital publishing company where we built e-learning for celebrity influencers and so forth. And we would take a cut off it and they paid us big fees and went into that direction. And But if you go into something with what I'd call a bitter root or a bitter spirit uh, from something in past, and if you have arrogance, two things that are really bad ingredients – then you're not going into something with clear thinking and true wisdom. And uh, I went into that and it ended up sucking me dry and, and, uh, and failing and sucking me dry physically and financially. And, um, and that was a really important experience. How did it suck you dry financially? Well, you know, it's interesting because what do they say? Use other people's money to build your business, right? Yeah. That's a principle, or at least don't use all of your own money. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I definitely had that in mind. I go, okay, I've got a good amount of money. I'll invest, you know, part of my money. And that's okay, too. Uh, that's normal. Skin in the game, build your thing. But it definitely, you know, once you're in something, you have to be aware of, like, I had this sense of perseverance that, well, the only way, the only way is forward, because other than forward is too painful. And so when you have that mentality of just absolute, the only way is forward, you end up doing kind of delusional, illogical things, uh, which is selling your investments and, and to make payroll and keeping things going. And I had, you know, 43 employees. And so um, I felt absolutely committed to them and make even if I didn't get paid, um, I made sure they would get paid. But that right there should have been a, a sign to you know, Hey, are you starting to sacrifice your family and in the, in the things that are actually the most important to you, you know, to keep something going, that's not working. And I just persevered way too long. How did you know when to stop? Well, I didn't actually know when to stop. 
um, unfortunately, but it's a good question and there's a good answer. Um, what happened was uh, it develops a couple of really good friendships, uh, guys with really sound wisdom. And they said they wanted to have a meeting with me to really discuss what they see happening. And so I said, okay. And I went into that meeting knowing it was going to be deep and um, some truth was going to be told to me. So it wasn't a shock. So I went over to one of their houses and we sat in that room for maybe three hours and, and they really just reasoned with me and, you know, shared things, nothing necessarily new. I didn't already know, but they gave me, I think that permission to let go of something that was kind of already dead. What did they say? They just, they, things that they said that were encouraging and helpful was, Hey, this isn't the end. You can totally shift gears and do other things. Hey, we're here for you. We will help you. Hey, you know, this, you need to do the right thing by everybody, but at the same time, you need to take care of your family. Yeah. And, and, um, and really that outside perspective. And that's why anybody listening here, you have to have rock solid friendships. And if you're not developing strong friendships, people you can count on, people that won't leave when uh, you're not doing all the right things in the world, people that will be there for you, and people that will speak truth that's real wisdom versus biased uh, opinions based on their own experiences. It's really important to have those kinds of friendships. And if you're not cultivating them, you're going to at some point wish you would have. I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier, if you don't mind. I, I, I had this question with a previous guest, and I want to know what your answer is. What's the difference between arrogance and confidence? Because I think so many people lack enough confidence, or it's fake, it's false confidence. But then there's also that other side of it that ha they have that arrogance too much. And usually you can see the arrogant people are the ones that are successful, more so than the confident people how would you determine the, the difference between arrogance and confidence? That's a great question. So I think, you're, I think you're right. There's a lot of arrogant people that are su super successful. I also actually think there's a lot of confident people that are super successful. Uh, but you just – the confident people that are super successful are not loudmouths about it. They're not constantly putting it in the world's face. Okay, So there is a little bit of a, a difference there. I think the actual yeah. difference is – there's there's a there's a confidence, uh, like if you read Good to Great, uh, it's a really good book. The all the stats in there are updated and stuff, but the principles are good. Jim Collins. Uh, there's a lot of CEOs. The the most successful CEOs of big companies are ones you've never heard of, and um, like the level five leaders that you know you just haven't even heard of. And so they the, these people, you know, I think have a lot of confidence. And I think arrogant people can have a lot of confidence too. And they can also lack confidence. And like you said, it's superficial. So, so let's try and define this. So, so I think, I think confidence is evidence. Um, well, first of all, confidence comes from knowing your identity. Mm, yeah. So, 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 so knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are and honest about your weaknesses, willing to share those weaknesses and not afraid to where you cover them up. Sure, shore up some you can, but really focus on your strengths, right? You've heard that before. Everybody's heard that. But I think confidence comes from, you know, doing things in your strengths and being willing to let other people shore up your weaknesses and do it with you. One of the fallacies, I think, of sometimes 
um, is that we think we need to do it all because we need to make sure we get the credit for it. And I think a confident person and leader is somebody that is excited about other people getting the credit and realizing that we were all made unique and different and no one person was made with everything needed to do all the things, right? So I think I think, actually think we were we were designed to have to need other people. And I think real confidence comes from understanding that. And, there, and then real constant, when you're, you are confident in that way, then you're doing things within your, the way, places you're called that match your skill set and your passions. And, and you're in your sweet spot. And then you're getting help where things are weak. And then as you're getting success, if you're truly confident in yourself, there's not a need to overly do self-promotion and take credit for maybe where credit should be delivered to other people. I love it. And I think where, where arrogance comes in is, is when we're actually, well, there's two sides to it. I think some people like Mark Cuban, uh, may not come from, you know, insecurities may, maybe not. He seems like a pretty secure guy that's kind of arrogant and brash and very successful. But then you, but then there are a lot of times, especially the less successful arrogant people are hiding insecurities and they're overcoming from hurts in their past that they haven't been healed from um, and projecting on everybody else of how good they are when really, you know, maybe they're not as good as they're projecting. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate it. You nailed that yeah. one. Good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm glad. I'm All glad right. it was helpful. So you, you're in this room with your friends. They're kind of laying it down for you saying, you got to get out. You're not, you're not, um, you're not taking care of your family. You're, you're losing money. This is not the end. But you're a person that perseveres. So I, I guess I'm trying to understand, though, is if you only know go, 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 why stop? Even though you have your friends around you, I, I'm trying to understand who said that one phrase to you that really kind of pulled you out of that mindset and said, let's get to the heart of the issue. Yeah, it was it was those guys, and it was just really, and then thinking and praying about it, obviously, and uh, you know, conversations with my wife as well, and and really um, just looking at it, and you know, there would have to be some financial intervention to continue, just like I've, but I've I've done that before, right? I've found the money to make payroll, I've made these things happen. I'm a guy that makes things happen, right? Unfortunately. Um, Sometimes when you're a person that makes things happen, you're making things happen actually to the long-term ill, the, the long-term negative repercussions that you can't even see right now. And when you're clouded in your own mess, you're not having perspective and wisdom to really step back. And so that gave me perspective and wisdom to step back and really look at this whole thing and go, you know what? I, you know, if I keep bailing this, this thing's not working. And if I find a way to bail this out, which I didn't actually have an exact way to do that at the time, um, is that the best thing to keep doing since it's, you know, it's been so long and it's not working. And it was really painful, you know, and you could say maybe I didn't have a choice because we were going out of business, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but you could also say, well, maybe if Isaac, you know, just persevered that one more time, he could have made it. Well, I've had, my whole life was persevering, overcoming and winning, you know, I'm not always winning, but usually winning. 
Um, and it was, it was lots of things worked. Like the horses didn't work, but it was such a minor amount of my money. It didn't really matter at the time. You know what I mean? So that's not a big failure at all yeah. compared to, you know, the money I was making, but this was because I put everything into it. I had seven kids and my wife is at home and you know, she's got an online thing going at courageousmom.com. But, but you know, for all intents and purposes, I was, you know, su- supplying the, the income and, and, um, you know, imagine having a big family winning most of your life and then you not only lose all your finances you have massive debt following you from the failure because your name is attached to things and you have no income coming in so that's exactly where i was what, so what did you do so you have two paths of that at, at that champ uh, that pivot in the road right you have okay well um you know you can go get a job and uh or you can stay the course in entrepreneurship. And I just really know who I am. And I know that a job, I will do a job if I need to, right? Anything to provide, right? But I said, well, you know, I can sell some things. I can create a three-month, um, you know, uh, runway. And in three months, I can build my consulting, personal consulting with others. And um, this... Uh, other business partnership I have with uh, a tech company and, uh, work with, work with him and, and, and launch and, and build up convey And, and that's what I did. And, uh, the company at the time couldn't pay me very much, but, um, I jumped in on board. This is something I, uh, founded, uh, with Stephen Ryan eight years, seven years prior at the time. And then, uh, you know, we went onward together and it took a lot of faith, you know, uh, to, to just every month be, you know, just taking action in a new way and, and making things happen. But it was also one of the sweetest times because I learned so much. I was back at home with my family working from home and I was, I think, pursuing uh, a direction that I'm absolutely supposed to be going in. And sometimes just to wind back that arrogance, when I left my previous thing to start the thing that failed, it can blind you and cause you to go in a direction maybe to prove to others you're capable of something, prove to the world you can do something. But really your motivation needs to be coming from a place of sound wisdom and pure heart. You need to be coming from a place of, you know, is this really a direction? What are your motivations behind what you're doing? Because I feel like I really believe we're blessed when our motivations are right. How long did it take you to lick your wounds after the, the failure of the last business? before you got back on track and said, this is my new goal. I mean, there had to have been a time, like you said, where you thought I can either go get a job, but there had to have been a battle or a struggle internally to say, I have a family to feed. This, this path will take me much longer to make money. Whereas I can go out and get a a, a nine to five and instantly bring in money. Like how long did it take you before you were like brave enough to say, this is my path? Yeah, it's a good question. And I would say the answer might not be popular here because it didn't take me long. I, you know, I just, I just, I know, I know who I am. Like I could totally go get a job, but I'm, I'm not really the hireable type, meaning that I would, I don't think I would do well after a while, meaning I would try and fix things and change how someone's <laughs> business is being ran. And yeah. I would, you know, I'm such an entrepreneur yeah. and, and I just, I just kind of knew that about myself. And so once I think the first step I made was to see a plan. How, how could this path work? And once I saw the path work of continuing entrepreneurship, 
financially and making it, then it, there was no decision. It was like, okay, as long as I see a path work and I'm not neglecting my family, then, then we're going to go down that path. It was a path of faith though. Absolutely. There's no, but you know, my whole life's been a, a path of faith. There's never been, you know, any entrepreneur is a path of faith. There's no, there's no security in entrepreneurship or any, yeah. Or any, um, sort of outside the normal doctor, lawyer, nine to five, you know, person. Yeah. I mean, anytime you start a new venture, whether it be the arts or entrepreneur, you're right. It, it's all by faith. You just have to go and you got to fight the, your own internal demons as well as hear the voices of people around you saying, uh, why don't you have a job? Oh, I have a job. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, working yeah, yeah. on it. <laughs> But there's also there's also no there, it's also high risk working for a ruthless ruthless boss, and so so it, but but that's not always the case. Some people have great opportunities and they're wired to do that in companies, and I that path is great. I'm sure some of my kids will do that path, but but I think that um, you really have to know who you are, and so you know. And I, I'm so passionate about conveyor. I just totally saw the opportunity, still do, and. And, um, and then I ended up being right. And so we're, you know, I only want to, you know, Hey, here's the, thing. there's lots of things we could do to make money. And what's always important to me is how we make money. Like, you, you know, the, the racehorses was like all about just money. That was totally just a money decision. Did yeah. I, was I passionate about horses or racehorses? No, I was looking for a way to flip horses and make money. And there's not, not, that's not necessarily wrong. I just don't think it's the real path to significance. Yeah. True, me true, meaningful success. I think when we're having success and meaning is we really care about the how we're making money and our motivations are really pure behind it. And we really want to have impact in an area that we can provide expertise and bring our brilliance out. And in that, I think that we're going to do our best is that, man, find that place where, you know, pursue, what I always say is pursue significance versus mere success. Love it. Because, yeah. because that's, that's your sweet spot. Love it. If, if your passion was with Conveyor, why did it take you so long to sort of see that path? Well, sometimes we have to go through learning experiences to, um, discover that. But I will say that, I will say this, that sometimes we're blinded by ambition. And ambition is not a bad word, but ambition out of hand can be bad. And I wanted to do something bigger, better, faster than I'd ever done before. I was coming off of the heels of great success and my ambition was high. And so it blinded me from the thing I already had that was already going well in a business partnership that was great with Steven from being the actual very best thing. What Steven, so I had to go down this other journey, like off the path, off the path, not in a good way, you know, um, and to, to really re realize that what I already had the opportunity in was actually the very best thing. And, and so, you know, him and I work so great together and what we have is incredible and, and conveyor is the biggest thing I've ever been a part of. 
And, um, I just couldn't see it because I had this ambition that was out of control from kind of a bitter root, um, you know, experience. And so I think that's what we have to check is your ambition getting out of control is you, is your arrogance getting out of control. Are you trying to prove something, um, to others into the world versus let's, let's just settle down for a second. Let's, one of the do things that are good for the most important things in our lives and that are in alignment with who we are. And, you know, success can look like all kinds of different things. I mean, making money is just a small part of success. Well, that kind of transitions into my next question. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. What is your definition of failure? I think, I think you set out to do something and, um, it doesn't materialize. You could call that a failure. However, I wouldn't call that, uh, I, I could also say there, well, I mean, it's just a, it's a learning experience. You know, it's something that it's, it's a point in the road where it didn't work out, but it doesn't mean you're a failure. I think, I think that, I, I don't think that a person should ever be a failure. I think instead it's like your experience, some of your experiences you might fail in, but as long as you learn from them and move forward. They're just part of your success, actually. And then what would you, how would you define success then? Well, I think everybody has to define that for themselves. I think there's a lot of um, people selling success out there that are out of alignment with the people buying into it. What I mean by that is what successful, what the culture says successful doesn't mean is successful for you. You have to, you have to make that definition and you know, money's a good thing. It's a resource. And but the love of money is not a good thing. And I think the people that are pursuit going down a path that they're really passionate about contributing to the world in, and um, and are focused on the actual impact of people. If if your model's right, you're going to make a lot of money, and that's good. That's great. The money's a resource you can do all kinds of good in the world with. It's wonderful. But if if you're going down a path. And your definition of success is once I make a million dollars a year, then I'm successful. I think you're going to be the most miserable millionaire you can imagine. What would your life look like? How would it be different if you never failed? Uh, it wouldn't be as good. Why is that? Because I there was important lessons that have come my way that I had to learn through failing at things. And if I didn't fail at things, I wouldn't be the man I am today. What lessons were those? Well, um, uh, lessons in humility, lessons in um, not just saying certain things are your priority, but living those out, actually living out uh, the priorities you speak of, uh, a deeper, what it really looks like to have a deeper actual relationship with God and surrendering to God in your life. All of these, all of these lessons, things come our way to make us stronger and if if there was no if there was no failures i just i just don't think i i don't think life would be as good so why don't you tell us real quick what is convey your micro learning um what does that it's mean a software it's a software platform it's basically the answer to uh, let me let, put the landscape here you have kajabi thinkific teachable you have these online uh, platforms where you can build digital training. You can take your book, your speech, and turn it into training. 
let's go to the corporate world real quick. You have LMS systems where they put training together for their employees. All of that stuff's flawed. And the reason it's flawed, and I have proof of it, is because the the learner retention is ridiculously low everywhere. Higher education gets 25% retention of college students, Ivy League schools. They're selling these online classes for full price and 25% of the students make it through. Uh, companies are boring their employees to death and putting them through programs that are antithesis to the very cultures they're trying to create. Authors are putting together digital programs they're selling or giving free that nobody finishes and then they don't buy more from that author because people aren't going to buy more if they haven't finished a thing they already bought. And so microlearning, by its very name, is the answer to this fundamental problem that's out there, which is nothing has had been built that aligns with where human behavior is today to take content and bring it to life in a digital experience right in people's mobile devices or really any device. Um, and so that's what we built. We made it, we took the friction out of the authorship. So it's very, very easy to take content, short videos and content and bring it to life with gamification, social learning in different engagement formats and, and create a course. And then we made it really easy for the corporate environment to do the same and create a rhythm of learning instead of making learning an event where they log into some course bringing a training right to their device by texting them a link back into a new lesson that's five minutes or less and engaging and putting, you know, achievement currency on a leaderboard with their fellow employees and motivating people to talk about it and move on and dripping a couple of those out a week and having an ongoing, you know, learning culture in that company. And so we've really disrupted that space. Why is this something that you're passionate about? I'm passionate. Well, first of all, you know, I home educate my kids with my wife. I'd say more. My wife does that. But um, but but I think that people are wired very differently. And education, the way it's put together is for a certain kind of personality in the classroom setting. I think that um, so I'm passionate about two things. I'm passionate about, hey, what what if we lived in a world where anywhere in the world had equal access to the the best content and information right to their mobile device in a way to where they actually looked forward to taking the next lesson. So now you have third world countries, you have people all over the place where they're they're getting access to all this incredible information. Now you could say, well Isaac, YouTube does that. You're right. But knowledge is a commodity. And what I mean by that that is, yeah, we can go get whatever knowledge we want. I can learn how to fix my dryer or whatever. Okay. We can get the knowledge we want, but what hasn't, hadn't been solved until we did this was to create a curated learning experience where by the end of it, you're going to achieve learning objectives in your life to develop a skill, practical knowledge, higher education, whatever it is, and, and do it for my mobile device and love the learning experience where it pulls me in and retains me and I'm engaging with other people. That hasn't been accomplished. And there's a massive need for that because if you string yourself five YouTube videos together, you're not necessarily hitting some kind of objectives and trusting that you're getting all the right information. What's your, what's your long-term vision for this company? Yeah. So Steven and I, you know, we're co-founders and you know, we're transitioning into a poor social good uh, company where a portion of our profits uh, go to 
a cause. So if anybody has a cause that uh, is elevating humanity through education or training that uh, we can contribute to, we're looking for that right now. Um, and, you know, the long term is that we become the answer. Just as Slack became the answer for internal communication uh, in a company, we are the answer for the modern version of an LMS or online training platform that uh, is easy to use and people love. That's awesome. Now, last question for you. Are you successful? I absolutely am. And why? Because in I can honestly say in every single area of my life, I am I am doing I'm doing well. I might not be doing the best I could. I'm doing well and I'm constantly trying to get better. And that includes in the one of the last areas uh, was my health. In the last 90 days, I lost 34 pounds and I'm in the best health in my life so far right now. Awesome. Uh, and it gained muscle. And so I'm just like business, spiritually, family, faith, physically, uh, even financially, you know, you know, things are going really, really well and growing. And it doesn't mean everything's perfect. I'm not saying to everybody here, hey, everything's perfect with Isaac. But I feel, I feel like, man, things are really, really good. And I'm going down a trajectory that totally aligns with who I am. And I'm not sacrificing the things that are the top priorities in my life to do it. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on all of your success. And I, like I said, with seven kids, your, your business going, just thank you for taking the time to share your story with us. So thank you for that. Well, Matthew, you asked some really good questions and I love how deep you get. What a great podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. A couple takeaways. I hope that you remembered he said, pursue significance, not success. And I love that because that because in our worldly view of success, we think that it involves these lavish yachts, cars, homes, um, this stature that comes with having success and money but what he wants you to do is pursue significance pursue something that will help somebody else pursue something that will help enhance the life of somebody else and that's what he's doing with conveyor.com in next week's episode i sit down with jeff pierre you may have seen him on shows like shameless beyond once upon a time here's a clip failure mistakes I just see them as a way of growing. I learned from that. I, I, I actually enjoy it at times. Like, I don't mean I don't enjoy failure. It's just that I, I now I'm in a place where, like, I'm always going to try to learn from it. I'm not going to ever sulk and, you know, go into deep depression because I, I, didn't, I didn't succeed at this. I'm like, no, I just keep trying even harder. That I always loved um, using sports analogies just because it's like, you know, you lose a game. I mean, you lose a game or you even a play, just on one play. You may lose on that play, but the next one, you just got to erase it from your mind and move forward and learn from that. I'm like, nope, that's not going to happen again. That's next week. I'll see you then.